All right, if you guys got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of 1 John. Amazing book, and uh, I think we'll all be blessed here. Let's just read, if you guys are already there. 1 John chapter 1, look at verse 1. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which what we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard and we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And verse 4, And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, well, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we say that we have no sin, well, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Oh, man. We should just read chapter 2, too, right? They were already going. This is great. Um, John the disciple, he wrote the book of, or this letter of 1 John. He wrote 2 John, 3 John. He wrote the book of Revelation. He wrote the gospel of John. And John wrote to little children. Little children. And I think because, well, he was in an older age, and of course, you know, it sounds like maybe they're all younger, but uh, specifically to those who are born again, the believers in Christ who are uh, young. In fact, look at chapter 2. We're going to be in 1 John, by the way. If you guys have your Bibles, you're going to be using them today uh, in 1 John. I want to get, get a fill of this book. So look at 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse 1. It says, My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. In fact, go to chapter 2, verse 18. Go down to verse 18. It says, little children, it is the last hour, as you have heard that, and it goes on talking about the Antichrist, but notice little children. And then also go down to verse 28. It says, and now little children abide in him that when he appears we may have uh, confidence uh, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. In fact, look at chapter 3, go to verse 7. It says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, but just, just as he is righteous. Uh, in fact, look at chapter 3, verse 18. It says in verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Uh, In fact, go to chapter 5. Go to the last chapter. Look at verse 21, the last verse. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. So I think he is writing to, I guess it's rightful to say, right? Little children. So what is the key theme of the book of 1 John? 
Uh, If you're taking notes, some say it involves the manifestation of Christ, where Christ uh, was revealed to us and made known to us. Others think it's uh, abiding in Christ because it's mentioned 22 times in this book just like uh, Jesus said you know abide in me and I I and you in John chapter 15 first uh, John is very very similar to uh, what John's account is there in John 15 others think it involves knowledge the uh, Gnosko in the in the Greek there used 32 times in this book uh, it just simply means to know to know by experience uh, to have a personal intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and and thus knowing uh, the the knowledge of right uh, by it by experience and and this word knowledge by the way comes from the Gnostics back in the day uh, means simply means to know right? That's all that it means. But they believed they had this special understanding, this special revelation that was given to them by God and, uh, and of his word. And you can imagine all the people who wanted to join this group, right? We're, we're the special elite, by the way, and we have special revelation by God. Who wants to join our club? And I'm sure there was lots of people going to be a part of something, right? Oh, it's special? Oh, I want to be a part of it. And, and so a lot of people got, got, got into this group. They also believe that they can attain uh, perfection above sin by these traditions, by denying the flesh, by uh, uh, just, you know, their thought process and controlling their thoughts. They thought they were above sin and, and sinless in that sense. Uh, but John is refuting this doctrine. In fact, in chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, uh, he's refuting uh, a lot of what they believe. And so the problem with this group is they developed into dualism. Dualism is where they believe that everything that is material, everything that is tangible, is evil. Therefore, everything that is spiritual is good. And so you can see what the problem is there, that um, because they believe everything is tangible and, or material is evil, therefore uh, the heavens and the earth is evil, and, and man is evil as well. So uh, God, um, they, they don't believe that God took on human form in the flesh, because thus God would be evil, Right? according to their doctrine, that's why the man's doctrine really messes you up, right? I would encourage you guys, obviously, you guys, but stick to the word of God, right? Um, But they don't believe Jesus came in the flesh, and so thus John is refuting this doctrine of the Gnostics, right? Gnosticism. In fact, look over in chapter 4 of 1 John. Look at chapter 4, look at verse 2. 1 John chapter 4, verse 2, it says, By this you know... The Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come, there it is, in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, well, they're not of God. So here we go right here. This whole doctrine of Gnosticism just got refuted and shut down. Boom, right there. And and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. Uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy 3.16, he said, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. 
I mean, you would think that's a no-brainer, right? When Jesus came, uh, obviously he came in the flesh, but these guys actually believe that he hung in the spirit, right? And, and, and they got the spear through him, but that was the spirit. And, and, and so they, weren't, they didn't really touch anything. They were like, what? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense when you really, you know, try to apply it. it just, it, it's silly. But uh, he was justified in the spirit. He was seen by angels. He, pre- he was preached among uh, the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Um, in John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so if the Word is God, and then in verse 14 of chapter 1 of John, it says, And the Word became flesh. Now, why would John keep on saying that God came in the flesh? Well, because he's refuting this doctrine that was widely spread at the time. People were, were just jumping on this religious thing about being, you know, having special knowledge and special understanding. Come join us. If you're, you could be Christian, but if you want to be like us, right, uh, then you got to believe what we tell you. And it was a, a very evil doctrine. Um, so as you read First John, you're going to realize one word is used a whole bunch of times throughout the book of First John, which I think is the theme of First John, and that is love. Love is mentioned 46 times in this book. That one uh, word uh, really I, is what I would describe this whole book is, is love. God is love. I mean, that's, that alone brings salvation to people's lives because other religions... I mean, their God never tells them that, that he actually loves them. I mean, look at the, the Muslims. You don't, Allah never says that he loves their, the Muslims. You don't get that love from any other religion. This love is in, in the history box, right? We, we got it in our Bible, uh, which is pretty amazing. So uh, John teaches about love in various topics. He talks about God's love and the manifestation of Christ. He talks about God's love in, in uh, the battle of good and evil. He talks about God's love in abiding in Christ because of his love. Um, and John, by the way, he's, he teaches in a very Jewish way. You know, the Jews, they teach in, uh, by contrast, right? So darkness with light, you got the battle of good and evil, you got abiding in Christ, um, not abiding in Christ, you got love, you got hate, you got truth, you got error, uh, you get the point. But what is better than teaching the word of God, the truth, in love. I mean, there's nothing better than teaching God's word in love. Um, John taught on those creeping into the church, you know, with, uh, who are going to bring in, they're going to, they're, they're uh, heresy, basically, right? Teaching worldly doctrine. And um, today, if we teach like John taught, we would be mocked, wouldn't we? I mean, it's just, it's, uh, I could go on about that, but I won't. You guys get the point. Um, but he's not dealing with the backslider like Paul uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, where he's talking about carnality. Um, in fact, John teaches two extremes. Here it is. You either know God or you don't know God. That's basically it. It's very, very simple. Uh, if, they, if the key theme is love, then I think rightfully... The key verse would be 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, uh, which states, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Amen, right? Um, 
Secondly, where, where was this book written? Well, there's two thoughts on, on where it was written. Uh, some say in Ephesus, where John ended up pastoring before he died. Some say on the island of Patmos, uh, where he wrote the book of Revelation. Um, honestly, we really don't know. So if your books say it's written on this specific place, we really don't know. Um, when was this book written? Uh, scholars defer to when it was written specifically. Some say 95 AD, some say 100 AD. So I say somewhere in between right there. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be safe. Um, but why was this book written? Uh, what's the reason for why this book was written? There's nine reasons that John gives us why this book was written. Uh, and if you got your Bible, look at chapter 1, verse 4. It's that our joy might be full. That our joy might be full. It says, in these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So in spite of your circumstances, you have Jesus' joy in you as, as a church. He'll be with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And I think it's amazing. Um, secondly, it's that we may not sin. That we may not sin. Look at verse Chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so, uh, in fact, uh, look at chapter 3, verse 6. Whoever abides in him does not sin. And whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Uh, in fact, look at chapter 3, go to verse 9. Chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Who, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Um, this is difficult to understand since this is written to believers, it's not written to the world, and it's talking about not living in a habitual continual lifestyle of sin where you just continually there's no there's no pushback or anything there's no conviction um you know the gnostics by the way they rewrote the gospel uh they say jesus said my power my power why have you forsaken me and we all know god said my my god my god why have you forsaken me right they rewrote that because they would they they, they fast all the time they deny merit uh, well, marriage in general, and some would be opposite in being extreme, like uh, like Calvinists, basically. Um, it's just, it's crazy uh, what the Bible's talking about when it says, does not sin. And you can see how it's easily, you could be swayed into believing this doctrine. Um, but thirdly, it was written that we may have a new command, a new command. In 1 John, look at chapter 2, verse 8. Chapter 2, verse 8. It says, again, a new command, a commandment I write to you, which thing is true and in him and you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Uh, it's interesting in light of verse 7. Rewind a little bit right there to go, go to verse 7. It says, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you. Uh, it says, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. It's also written to us, 
It's for the forgiveness of sins. For the forgiveness of sins. Look at chapter 2, verse 12. It says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. So why did he write this book? That our sins may be forgiven. Um, And look at chapter 1. Look at verse 7. Chapter 1, verse 7. It says, but if we walk in the light, As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Just talking about that, I'm like, I'm like falling apart. Lord, wow, that's amazing. Um, Fifth is that we may know him, that we may know Jesus. That's the reason why John wrote this. In fact, look at chapter 2. Look at verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. It says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. And I write to you, little children, because you have known the father. Uh, Look at verse 14. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Go, go to chapter 5, chapter 5, look at verse 20. It says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Paul even mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, uh, he says, For if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad but the one who is made sorrowful by me? See, we get so caught up in everything and, and everything, we forget about him. We forget about who God is. We forget he's the creator of the universe. And, and it's all about knowing him and having that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Why do we study the Bible? Why do we go to church? Why do we pray? Why? Because it's, we want to know him. Right? It's about that personal relationship. It's not about uh, gaining a knowledge of God, because I think there's a lot of great people in this world who are very, very good uh, in our mindset, but they, they know a lot about God, but they're not going to get to heaven. I, I know Satan and a lot of demons, all of them, <laughs> they're not, they know God, but they're not going to make it into with, with, with the Lord. And I think we can apply that as well. It's not about gaining a knowledge. It's about gaining uh, uh, that intimate, personal knowledge of knowing him, right? Where I know my, my kids. I could look at my, one of my kids, and they could just look at me, and they know exactly. Because what I'm saying, I don't have to say anything, but they know exactly what I'm saying because they know me. Right? If they didn't know me, and I'm just, they're like, who's, what is he doing? <laughs> I, it's, it's just, it, we, we know him. Um, also, it's written because we have overcome the wicked one. Look at chapter 2. Look at verse 13. Look at the middle of verse 13. It says, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Look at verse 14 in the middle. It says, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. There it is. Look at chapter 4. Look at verse 4. It says, you are of God. 
um, little children and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. Um, seventh thing is that we, sh- that we would know the truth. John wrote this letter that we might know the truth. Look at chapter 2 verse 21. It says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. So we know this is truth. What, what is it? Well, look at chapter 2 verse uh, 3. Now, by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments, right? And so we know Jesus Christ. In uh, chapter 2, verse 18, uh, he who says he abides in him ought himself to also to walk just as he also walked, uh, it says. And so we know it's, we know it's the last hour. That's another reason why John wrote uh, this letter. Uh, it's, we know it's the last hour. Uh, ch- uh, chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Uh, so we will be like him. That's another reason. Uh, in chapter 3, verse 14, it says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And so there's death to life. In chapter 3, verse 16, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And so we're to know love in chapter 3, verse 19. Um, I could just, I could, you guys get the idea, right? Uh, it's of truth as well in chapter 3, verse 24. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 6. Um, you guys can look it up. There, there's more. Uh, but let's come to the eighth reason. It's to warn us about deceivers. To warn us about deceivers. Look at chapter 2. Look at verse... I need to double check my stuff here now. Look at verse 26. It says, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you or to seduce you, right? Clearly speaking of the false teachers, um, speaking of the Gnostics of the day, that they denied that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, um, which brings us to the ninth thing. The ninth reason John wrote this letter is to assure us of eternal life. Uh, Look at chapter 5, look at verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have, here it is, eternal life. This is our assurance, guys. This is our confidence. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So, Whew, is that a good introduction? You guys ready to start, actually? Start the, let's just start. I just wanted to throw that out there so we all got a good feel of it. Uh, so John begins to talk about our fullness of joy. Go, go to chapter 1, go to verse 1. Um, in fact, let's just read it again. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write to you that your joy may be full. So if there's anything that we need today... 
I think it's joy, right? I, I think so. John wants to make it very clear that our joy, it's not based on our circumstances, right? If only I had this or that or this or that. No, he is our joy. It's based on Jesus Christ and him alone is why we, he is our joy as, as believers. So John is going to deal with three things in verses 1 through 4 as it pertains to fullness of joy. Um, first thing is he directs us to the beginning notice in in verse one again that which was from the beginning no and so John points us back to if this is you know your same mindset look you guys remember in John 1 1 in the beginning what was the word but notice was the word and the word was with God and the word was God so both of John's letters are directing us where to Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, God, basically, right? He created the heavens and the earth. But So in the beginning was the word. Are you guys catching that part? It was the word. And John points us, therefore, to the eternality of who Jesus is and to who God is. And so the word was before the beginning, right? And so... Well, the, the, the epistle of John here, he points us now to the incarnation of Christ. So since he says that which was from the beginning, he doesn't say was, but he says from the beginning, pointing to the incarnation of Christ. And so speaking of Christ who was before the beginning, which I think speaks of Christ as a man, by the way, in the beginning. Um, but John seen, he heard, he touched, right? It was, uh, Jesus was tangible. Um, speaking of the incarnation of Christ, so God Almighty, he stepped out of uh, eternity, right? And uh, into our, our space, into our time, he became man as us, right? He humbled himself, uh, took on the form of man, and uh, not in the appearance of, you know, a king or anything like that. He humbled himself to a humble look. You would just be looking around. You would never even know that God was in the very form of the flesh because he was just like the common man, if anything lesser, to where nobody was noticing the popular guy, right? So he humbled himself, uh, Philippians 4 talks about. Um, there are many today that they deny this very fact. Uh, Paul tells us, in, again, 1 Timothy 3.16, uh, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, right? So again, we got to remind ourselves, what does scripture say? Because man says, but what does scripture say, right? And that's where I would lean more so than anything else. Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 5 through 8, uh, it, it says in the, in the end there, and coming in his in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And why is this even a huge issue, by the way? Why am I putting that out there so much? And why is it, why am I, because I understand what's going on. Because if you don't believe in the incarnation of Jesus Christ and who he is, that God stepped out of eternity and became man, that he took on human form, flesh, uh, then your eternal life, it's at stake. Uh, in fact, turn with me to 1 John, look at chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, 
Believing that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that's true salvation. You can't have salvation just because you, I believe in God. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to come forward. Someone's going to pray for me just because I believe in God. There's, uh, honestly, I haven't ran into a person who really doesn't even believe in God. Everybody believes in God. They deny God. That's why they call themselves atheists, right? I love talking to people and they're like, oh, an atheist. Oh, really? You ask them a few questions and then all of a sudden they're like, well, yeah, I believe in God. I mean, but they have to admit it, right? But it's their pride. It doesn't want to because if they say they believe in God, they believe in someone who's bigger than they are, and to themselves, they're their own God. They, they have uh, been deceived into the same lie of the Garden of Eve, right? They're, uh, the Garden of Eden. So uh, it's just interesting. But look at First John chapter 4. Look at verse 2. It says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. In fact, look at chapter 2, go to verse 22. It says, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Wow, understand that God loved us so much so that he stepped out of eternity uh, into our time and our space, right, and into our air that we breathe as well. He took on the form of man that we would believe in him, right? And that alone, that that should bring you joy alone, right, to the full. I mean, God doesn't just give you joy and you just got joy, right? And you're like, boink, oh, I had joy. Oh, there it goes, right? He gives you joy to the middle, right? No, he gives you joy to the almost to the top. He gives you joy all the way to the top top, right? He gives you fullness of joy. And thus, you know, I always scratch my head at certain Christians because they're walking around like they have no joy, as if they have to do something in order to receive that. He is our joy. It's Christ. Christ Jesus is the joy of, of our hearts, right? So, um, uh, where did I go? So let's come to the second section here, dealing with the fullness of joy. Not only does John direct us to the beginning, but he also declares to us Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1 again of chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Uh, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Um, so notice he declares to us Jesus Christ, but did you guys catch that? In two ways he declares to us this. John declares to us Jesus Christ as, number one, the word of life. The word of life. Notice in verse one in the middle there, um, it says, 
so which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning what? The word of life. And so it reminds me right away of John 1, 14 again, right? Where it says, and the word became flesh and dwell among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word of God is Jesus Christ, right? The word referred to here is the word of life. And so the word is life. Jesus declared to be the life. You guys remember in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. That's what I believe. I don't believe there's more than one way to enter the kingdom of God. I believe it just as Jesus said it. <laughs> that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. And so the simple truth is that true life can only be found in the word. It can only be found in the person uh, of who Christ Jesus is. And so if the, the life that I have and you have, it's temporal. It's short. We don't know. We're on a time clock. We just drop right now. We don't know when our time is, but God does. In fact, James 4.14 says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. So, um, let's go to the second thing here. Secondly, John also refers to Jesus Christ not only as the word of life, but secondly, you guys ready for this? Uh, as eternal life. Uh, notice there in verse 2, it says that in the middle right there, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So Jesus Christ is not only in life, but he is eternal life. And so when we pass from this life to the to into eternal life, the question is, where are you going to spend that eternal life? I like to think that the moment you became born again, you entered into eternal life. You're already with Christ, right? The only difference is your your, your change of address, basically, in your body, right? We're going to take on a glorified body with Christ. But where are you going to spend that eternal life? It's only through Christ Jesus if you want to spend it with Christ Jesus, right? So uh, when we, we pass away, I hope that we all make that right decision with the Lord. John mentioned, he mentions Jesus as eternal to bring us fullness of joy. And so John, by the way, he can declare to us that Jesus is eternal life uh, since he encountered Jesus. Uh, he heard, right? He touched, he, uh, uh, he he seen Jesus. He had a personal relationship with Jesus and that that's exactly what Jesus Christ de- desires of you and I tonight. He desires that personal intimate relationship with him, right? If you, those of you, most of you guys I, I believe in here are believers, um, you know that when you're reading the Word of God, you just got your alone time. You're, you're just, for me, I got I to gotta be outside, kind of, right? It's cold out here, so I'm not really outside. But I, I got windows, you know, and I'm looking outside, and I'm praying in the morning, and it's early, everybody's sleeping away. But those are the best times. That's when literally your heart's burning, right? It's just a desire, and all you desire, you don't even care about your, you're just, you just want Jesus, right? And it's, it's beautiful, because you're not looking for anything for yourself and your selfishness, right? It's just spending time with him. That's it. Sometimes I don't even pray. I just, I'll just, just, 
think about the Lord. Lord, oh, this is so good. Just dwell on his goodness and who he is. And I just love it. Um, but you and I are more blessed, by the way, because uh, I, I look at John and I'm like, wow, John, that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, to see Jesus, to see God Almighty who came in the flesh right before you and to hear him speak, uh, what would he speak about? What are the things he would be doing? Well, I think he'd be training us up. I think he would realize, man, time is short, and, and, and he would be obviously the good shepherd, right? He'd be leading us into all truth, which is the word of God, which is himself. And he'd be speaking about himself and what the word of God said of himself. And, and it'd just be awesome. But I was like, wow, that'd be so great. Did you know that you are more blessed because you have not seen Jesus? Did you guys know that? If, if you can reverse back into time and go and see Christ, which would be better, to see him or to not to see him? Jesus actually answers that question. Um, in John 20, verse 29, it says, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So remember, by the way, just a reminder, John is refuting this Gnostic doctrine, right? Uh, they believe everything physical is evil, everything tangible is evil, everything spiritual is good. Um, so that the, which, well, dualism, you guys can research that on your own. Um, but John says Jesus was physical um, and, and not spiritual, right? Not what the Gnostics believe. Let's come to the third thing here. John describes the reason for di- directing and declaring. Directing and declaring. Notice in verses 3 and 4, he gives us two reasons right here. Uh, the first reason for taking us back to the beginning and declaring to us that Jesus Christ is eternal life is number one it's for fellowship fellowship notice in verse three it says that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with the son jesus christ I love that. That's the koinonia, by the way, that word fellowship, mentioned 20 times in the New Testament, that it means communion. It means uh, a common language, or uh, we would say a oneness, a unity, right? Uh, a fellowship uh, that we have. And this fellowship, by the way, is manifested in two ways. Number one, it's manifested with others. With others. Notice in verse 3, uh, manifested in our lives. Uh, it says in verse 3 that you also may have fellowship with us. So speaking of having fellowship with other believers, right? Fellowship is not, by the way, having a meal together, not sitting in front of somebody and just talking to them. That fellowship is something that is uh, we, we have a oneness because of the Holy Spirit who abides in us, right? It's agreeing with the other person because it's the same spirit within them and we we're when i met you guys right away i was giving you guys hugs right and some of you guys were like who is this guy <laughs> but i i we were the body of christ right we have natural supernatural i should say fellowship because we fellowship with the, the same father we hear the same language in that sense right and and uh, it's beautiful so we're entering into that unity with each other almost like a, a, a like a marriage relationship right um, and how are we one because we all have Christ as the one common denominator right it's, and it's beautiful so it, it, by the way I, I think um, 
It's amazing because I have a better relationship with you guys than I do with my own family. It's it's crazy. My own uh, like my my brothers, my sister, my mom, my my whole family. I think those who are believers, I have more commonality with them. Because when I'm talking to my family, what's there to talk about? Uh, how's the sky? I don't know. It's good. How's uh, you know, the football game? Uh, which team are you talking? You like the Packers, right? Or Dallas? Oh, yeah, that's cool. Whatever. And it's just, there's no fellowship, honestly. Um, and it's, it's, it's bad. But we have fellowship. So Ephesians, Paul said in Ephesians 4.4, 4, he said, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So this fellowship with believers, by the way, is very, 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 very important that we uh, just like we quoted earlier in First John, that we love one another, just as Christ loved us, we ought also ought to love one another. Why? Because in John chapter 17, this love that we have for one another, this common unity that we have for one another, it actually is it's so that the world may believe. That's the reason why. Guys, we're evangelists. The moment you gave your life to the Lord, you became born again, you've entered into the mission field. You've enlisted into war. And to fight back, this is our tactic. We just hang out with each other, right? We love on one another. I'm okay with that. Um, so second area of fellowship is not only with others, but also with God, God himself. Um, look at verse 3 again in the middle here. It says, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So I don't understand God's perspective that he would want fellowship with someone like me, someone like you. You guys are just like me, but he wants fellowship with us. Is that humbling to think about have you guys stopped and just thought of wow the god of the the god who holds the universe in the palm of his hand wants to have fellowship with you and i what i mean that 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 just that's amazes me god himself would want that the holy spirit who is living in us who is dwelling in us he is keeping us in this love with christ because when we start to gear our eyes away from the lord what happens we have that sense of conviction right which we can't stay in our sin because there's something within us there's a battle going on if you're not a believer you're like what are you talking about but if you're a believer you know exactly what i'm talking about right you fall into temptation and and you run from it right because you see your relationship is so vital to you you understand how real god is in your life and how his goodness his kindness that's what led us to salvation is the goodness of the lord and uh, it's just it, it, it's amazing so um, uh, so we're called into this fell he called us into fellowship with him it's I could keep going with that I just love it but the second reason for taking us back to the beginning and declaring to us that Jesus Christ is eternal life is not only for number one for fellowship but for number two it's for joy Notice in verse 4, it says, And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Right? So when we have heard and seen and handled the word of God, we receive this joy that is full. It's not empty. Joy is not based, by the way, again, on our circumstances 
circumstances or situations, the things that we go through in life. It's not like if I had this, I would be this. No, it's if we have Christ, we are, we have. We've already, we, we, we're fighting, we already have victory in that area of joy because he is our victory. Um, so joy is not based on anything else apart from just simply who Christ Jesus is. He is our joy. David said in Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. I love that verse. Um, Jesus said in John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Do you notice how they keep adding that word in there? Why not just say that you would have joy, period? No, but that you would have fullness of joy. I love it. So first, fullness of joy. But secondly, the second section, John talks about the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sin. Look in verses 5 through 10. And the Bible, by the way, has a lot to say on sin. Uh, It's mentioned five times in these next six verses uh, alone. And John illustrates this topic of sin by using God as the perfect example of what sin is not, right? So who better of a, a contrast could we use? It's God. He's pure. In fact, look at verse 5. It says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So he now ties together this previous section with this section. Uh, some of your Bibles might say in verse 5, this then is the message. Uh, that little word, we can, we can translate that to likewise, right? So the first section is fullness of joy, likewise the forgiveness of sin. So John links them together by using God as that perfect illustration. So to show that huge contrast between light and darkness, right? Those who are dwelling in darkness, those who are dwelling in light. And notice the middle of verse 5 right here. It says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So that illustrates the contrast between sin. So God is light, no sin, right? The sin is darkness, no God. See the contrast? So if you have God, then you have lights. And so if you don't have God, you don't have light. If you have God, then no sin. Without God, you have sin. And so that's the contrast right there. Am I going too fast? I get excited sometimes. So you guys got to just give me some sign language sometimes. All right. So John uses the contrast uh, uh, to point out two very powerful truths uh, within verse 6 through 10. Number one, he deals with the fact that we can cover our sins, that we can cover our sins. Notice in verse 6, it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Notice in verse 8, it says, uh, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Notice verse 10, It says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So uh, that's interesting, by the way, since this little word if in the Greek has different meanings, by the way. So this word if means if and it might be so or if and it may not be so. So here 
Which one is it specifically speaking about? I have no clue. <laughs> I'll let you guys research that one on your own. But the, the groundwork here is he speaks of, it's very simple. If you're claiming to be walking in the light, uh, but you're really walking in darkness, then there's a problem, right? If you're claiming you to have fellowship with him, but you delight in sin, there's a problem. So uh, John mentions three problems that uh, we say, if we say that we're walking in the light, but truly we love and adore and, and, and dwell with sin in our lives. Well, the first problem is, well, look at verse six. This is the first problem. And notice it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So that's the first problem. We don't practice the truth. Um, and look at verse 8, by the way. Look at verse 8. Oh. It says, and the truth is not in us. Uh, notice in verse 10, in the middle, and his word is not in us. Right? So John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So if we say we're believers, that we have fellowship with God, uh, that we are walking in the light and we're living in a continual lifestyle of repetitive, habitual lifestyle, I should say, of sin, uh, then we're clearly, according to 1 John, we're not practicing the truth, are we? So uh, in other words, it, we're liars. Not only are we liars, right, but we're lying to ourselves, according to verse 6, uh, but we're also lying to others, but we're also lying to God, right? And, and you know, we can lie to ourselves by keep on telling ourselves the same thing, and, and thus we believe it's true, and, and, uh, and then later on in life we took it as truth, but uh, we can lie to other people. They can easily be deceived because they don't know. They don't know the truth, right? What's going on on the inside? But we, we think we can lie to God, but God knows all things, right? He is truth, <laughs> Right? Um, so we can't deceive the Lord. It's amazing that we think we can deceive the Lord, uh, but he knows all things. In fact, Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the, to the eyes of him to whom we must give accounts. So when we are walking in the light and practicing sin in the darkness, uh, then we're not practicing the truth. Therefore, you're not following him. If you're not following him, what, everything I've just been talking about this whole time, right? Most of First John is talking about abiding in him, right? John chapter 15 is talking about abiding in him. Well, why is that so important? I was told if I just believe on Jesus, I'd be good. I could live my life in sin and dwell in sin. And if I die, I'm going to be with the Lord, right? Well, why would John add John 15, why would he still on encourage believers to abide in him if it was that easy, right? So uh, just very interesting. The second problem is, well, we deceive ourselves, right? Um, notice in verse 8, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So, hey, if you think you're perfect... Just ask your spouse. They'll tell you, right? <laughs> no, you're not perfect. Um, we're not perfect, right? We're, we make mistakes. Uh, but we need to protect ourselves from dis being deceived uh, from other people and deceiving other people as well. Uh, but the third problem is we deem God a liar. We're deeming God a liar. Notice in verse 10, uh, and we'll end with verse 10. 
Uh, but it says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Um, if we say that we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. He's really, uh, is really what we're saying. Um, you, you guys all know uh, Romans 3, 23. We've all sinned, guys. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, in Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, there's no none righteous, no, not one, right? So uh, David even said in Psalm 55, verse 1, he says, behold, I was brought forth uh, in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me. So we're all born in sin, according to the Bible. Now, according to you, you may not believe that, but that's okay. But this is what the Bible teaches. You see, in our own understanding, we could get carried away. What's uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Don't, it's to trust in who? Yourself and your own understanding? Are we to lean on our own understanding? No, we're to trust in who? The Lord. And, and, and he'll direct our paths. But uh, I think parents understand this. I understand it a lot more when I had children. Little sinners. <laughs> How did that happen so fast? Say, Dad, Dad. No. <gasps> he said his first word. <laughs> wow, would you do that? He didn't really say that. But it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 um, it says in verse 18 that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, right? And it goes on. It's very, it's not possible. Titus chapter 1 verse 2, in, a, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Um, so we can cover our sin, according to verse 6, but uh, we, secondly, we can also uh, confess our sin in verses 7 through 9. Uh, notice in verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all... Notice this word, sin, is singular, by the way. And notice in verse 9, If we confess our sins, plural. Did you catch that? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, plural, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, but but Josh, I've done this, and I did this, and, and now I did that. I mean, God will never forgive me for that. Uh, yeah, he will. He, he can, because he's God, right? But in our own understanding, here we go again, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We think, well, we, 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 we start leaning on our own understanding and that we backslide. And then we, we strayed away from the Lord. And we got to be cautious on that. Trust in the Lord, guys. Trust in his word because that's where our confidence lies. It lies in him and him alone. Um, where is God dwelling, by the way? We just read in verse 7. Um, according to verse 7, as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, so there, he, he's, that's our hope. He's our hope. It's Christ. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, I, Jesus says, am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So when we're walking in the light with him, since he is the light, we can clearly see, uh, since the light illuminates to us our need for confession and for 
uh, uh, forgiveness for our sins. The Holy Spirit helps us in this area, by the way. We don't even know the words to say, but the Holy Spirit in us will utter the words that we need to say to the Lord. That's amazing, the power of prayer. It's beyond my understanding. I'm just obedient to be faithful to, to stay in prayer as much as I can because I know that that power of prayer. Um, but there's no way we can cleanse our, ourselves from sin, right? We are... We're, 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 we need to repent and we need to confess our sins. And Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, it says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Did you guys catch that contrast right there? We can cover our sins or we can confess our sins that's the the main two things that we looked at tonight if we confess our sins well he's faithful he's just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness right but notice god is faithful second timothy chapter 2 verse 13 it says if we are faithless he remains faithful amen and, and so he can't deny himself. God is just and he is righteous. And the only way we can be justified and righteous is to receive his righteousness and his justness. Um, and only Christ can make us justified, by the way, in his own presence. Um, and he allows us now to stand cleansed. We were forgiven. Isn't that great? And, and when we repent of our sins and we confess our sins, right, not only does God forgive us as if that's amazing enough, if you're like me, right, Lord, would you forgive me? You're, you're forgiven. <gasps> I'm falling apart. Really? You would do that for me? I'm already falling apart, but guys, it gets worse. You guys ready for this? Not only does God forgive you of your sins, but he also forgets about your sins. I can't even roll over on the floor. In Hebrews 10, 17, it says, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Isn't that great? He forgives and he forgets. This is only accomplished, according to verse 7 of 1 John, by the blood of Jesus Christ. So yes, we need to repent and we need to confess our sins for eternal life. That's a no-brainer to most of us, right? But uh, Or for our sin, I should say. But we also need to confess and repent of our sin that we are currently, are the day-to-day, the temporal, right? Because we fall short of the glory of God. And so, uh, by the way, hyper-dispensationalists and other uh, denominational religion things, whatever they're called, they deny this. They deny that you need to repent of your sin. They say, no, you don't need to repent of your sin for salvation. Eventually, sometime down the line, uh, 10, 20 years from now, then you'll really truly repent. But you can't repent of your sins for, in, in, for salvation. They say that man, man has nothing in him to, to repent. He can't repent. And it's like, wait, what does the Bible say? <laughs> Lean out on your own understanding, right? Trust in the Lord. Does God's word say that you ought to repent and you ought to confess? Yeah. So what are you going to do? What should you stand on? Who should you believe? Don't believe me. You believe the word of God, right? You stand on what the word of God says because there's a lot of wackadoos out there. They look good. They speak very great. uh, But their doctrine is going to lead you to hell. And, and I would be cautious to where you choose to be fed, right? Don't get be fed with the food that's 99% food and 1% poison because uh, it's going to get you. But um, 
let's let's stand and pray. You guys, the more you guys just stand and look at me, I'm just going to keep going. Did I go over my time here? I can't even see it. Anyways, let's pray. Um, Father, thank you so much for your word. And uh, I'm reminded, Lord, of uh, the old hymn, how just precious is the blood that flowed. And I uh, just thank you so much, Lord, that you have forgiven our sins. Lord, you've, you've uh, not only washed us clean, but you have forgotten. You throw it in the sea of forgetfulness. I pray if there's anybody here, Lord, that needs that forgiveness, that needs to confess their sins, Lord, that they would make themselves right with you tonight. Tonight would be the night uh, that they truly turn away from their wicked ways, Lord, and that they look to you. They look to your goodness, your kindness toward them, Lord, and they look to the blood shed on the cross for them. I thank you, Lord, that you rose again from the grave three days later and that you are victorious, Lord, and and one day we'll be with you. Um, I just pray that you would... uh, uh, strengthen this congregation, Lord, to continue on in your word, uh, in spite of all the harassment and the, the whatever comes our way, just because we, we're a Bible-teaching church. I pray we would stand on your grace, Lord, continue to, um, to grant us grace, Lord. We love you so much, in Jesus' name, amen.